This is the Spin Talk Podcast. Catch Spin Talk with Lauren, live on Spin 1038 weekdays from 1. Spin 1038, you're welcome back to Spin Talk with Lauren. Now, as I was telling you just before the break, uh, Faces by Grace, Grace Mongi is organising a coffee morning in aid of St. Jared's Ward in the Coombe Hospital. Grace joins me on the line now. Hi, Grace. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. Now, the minute you got in touch with us about this coffee morning, we were so excited about it. And I, I don't mean that to sound bad because obviously it's in aid of um, a cause for a sad reason. But we really, yeah. really wanted to help you out with this because this is something that, you know, people don't talk about too much. So just tell us about your idea, firstly. So I have done a lot of coffee mornings in the past where I just say to my followers, people show up and we just have coffee chats and the kids play together and it's really nice because for me as a first time mum I didn't really know where to go and so I just decided to do my own kind of ones around Dublin and then I got in touch with Spree and Lisa the owner of Spree said if you'd like to host one here we'd be happy to do that for you to offer team coffee entry in and all that so the more we talked about it we all got together there's kind of a little group of us now and we said like maybe it would be best if we did it for a charity I like to do a lot of charity work whenever I can so I came across a post on Facebook Um, it was a girl called Jenny and she was sharing her story she sadly lost her little boy Alfie um, born he was born so it was really really sad and I just thought the minute I read it I was like this is the charity I want to do it for so she was sharing about Friends of the Coombe they were raising trying to raise 120,000 euro to renovate three suites for hospice style suites for bereaved parents so obviously I had an amazing experience in the Coombe my sister Mags did as well and we just got such amazing care and treatment in there but I always wanted to give back to the Coombe I wanted to do something for them to say thank you we had so when I read Jenny's post and I read more about what the Friends of the Coombe were doing I was like this is it this is the charity I want to do I want to help in any way possible raise a little bit of money the more the better that will add to their funds and create awareness as well and kind of get people talking and Mm. But that's where it all came from. So we all kind of sat down together, myself, my sister and a couple of other girls and just said, what are we going to do to try and make as much money as possible for the charity and to have a really successful coffee morning um, to raise money. So we sat down, we talked about it and we came up with ideas of maybe raffling off some prizes. Uh, the brands that have come to us have been amazing. We have over €2,000 worth of prizes to raffle off on the day. We have a hamper from Mars Pharmacy worth €300. We have a signed Leinster jersey. Um, We have so many brands that want to help out and want to come on the day to donate their prizes. And all the money, everything is going to Friends of the Coombe. So, yeah, we're going to just hopefully have a really successful morning and raise as much money as we can. That's brilliant, Grace, because, look, as you said, you had such a wonderful experience when you were in the Coombe having Sienna. Mags, your sister, had such a great experience. But the reality is a lot of people who go in to have their babies don't get to bring their babies home. And it's something that, you know, as you rightly said, needs to be talked about. But people also need to be aware that, you know, by having these suites available, those families can have maybe the privacy that they need. Yeah, it's so important to have that privacy when you're going through something so traumatic like that like it's something that like you don't really think about and you just think about the happy side of it but then there are parents 
that do unfortunately lose their baby. And it is quite, it's common and we don't really think about it. I know personally, I always just thought like this is, I got past my 20 week scan, it's all okay. And I was just really hopeful, but like you just never know and things can happen and complications happen. And just for them to have their own privacy, for them to be in their own little suite to grieve, to be with their baby, it's just so important. Well, look, no doubt um, the team at the Coom are so delighted that you're raising awareness about this, Grace. The details, um, I know you've been sharing them on your own Instagram stories, but if people want to get involved, where's the best place to go? So we have an Eventbrite page set up for the coffee morning. So it's €5 entry, or €6 entry, sorry, and they come in and then whatever money we raise, so we're going to be doing sweets with Treat Boutique and we'll have face painting. So everything on the day, as much as people can donate or if they want to buy tickets and they can't actually attend the coffee morning, that would just be great as well just to get as much mm-hmm. donations as possible. So I have that shared on my Instagram and my Facebook and Twitter and all of us, Spree and Street Boutique and everyone have been sharing it. So it's great that um, people can buy the ticket. If they don't want to come, at least the money's going somewhere yeah. important. Um but we would love to have as many people there as possible. I think we've sold nearly 100 tickets already. People can pay at the door if they want, and they can pop in to spray at any stage and donate. There is a big um, raffle, as I said, from Mars. You can buy tickets now, and we'll be auctioning, auctioning off the Leinster jersey. So oh, brilliant. there's just lots of different ways that we're trying to raise as much money as possible on the day and beforehand. Okay. Before I let you go, Grace, where about is spree now for people who mightn't be aware? So Spree is on the Long Mile Road. It's just near Aldi. So it's a huge play centre. It's amazing. I've actually only started to go down in the last two months and I was like, how have I not known about this place? <laughs> huge. It's amazing. So yeah, it's down there on the Long Mile Road. Brilliant. Grace, I've heard people say it about you before, but it just, for anyone who doesn't follow you, you are so brilliant at using your platform for good. You know, it's it's not easy doing the job that you do. And obviously you work with brands and you have to make a living, but you really do make sure that you use your voice for good causes as well. So good on you. Yeah. Uh, the Coffee so Morning fun. is the 11th of April, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And all proceeds go to Friends of the Coom. Grace, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. Hope to see you all there. Um, We were chatting to Grace there about her fundraiser uh, that she's involved in a coffee morning on the 11th of April. Uh, We'll share the details of that um, on Twitter. But joining me on the line now is Breed Shine, who is a bereavement midwife at the Coombe Hospital. Breed, thank you so much for your time today. Not at all. Thank you for inviting us to speak to you. And thanks to Grace for, I suppose, raising more awareness about the project. Well, you know, as we said to Grace Breach when she got in touch with us about this idea for the coffee morning, um, we were more than happy to be involved because it is something we have found from um, discussing particularly difficult, sensitive subjects on Spin Talk. We're always surprised by the amount of people that have been affected. So today we're just hoping to raise a bit of awareness. Yeah, Um, and and we're very much behind that. It it is about raising funds, I suppose, for the bereavement suite that we're hoping to create um, on our fourth floor here in the Coombe. But we really do want to raise awareness about something that isn't often spoken about. Um, We don't generally consider maternity hospitals in terms of hospice care or bereavement, but unfortunately it's a very sad reality for for many families. Um, So so we're very, very grateful to the Galway Cycle for... Um, the Fahi family who nominated us to to be their chosen children's charity this year in raising funds for our project. That's great to hear, Breed. Um, tell me a bit about 
your job and what you do? Well, I work as a clinical midwife specialist in bereavement and loss and I work part of, I am part of a bereavement specialist team that is also supported by our healthcare chaplains, our medical social workers. And as a bereavement specialist team, we work very closely with our, with a larger multidisciplinary team of all the disciplines that work in the hospital. We really feel that bereavement care is everybody's business from the front reception up to our wonderful catering staff on our Ghani Ward who care for bereaved families. Everybody really in the coom is involved in bereavement care and are very compassionate and feel get very impacted by the, the, the grief we bear witness to. Um, and we're very much aware that, yes, this is for the coom Hospital, but we have a national remit. We're a national territory referral centre. So a lot of our babies would be coming from... Um, other areas around the country and so even on our cycle route tomorrow from I suppose Maynooth to Galway there are many families along that route who've been through our service in these circumstances and many families are doing the cycle with us um, and there are some families in Galway who are going to be there to support us on Saturday Um, so so we have a large remit in in what we cover. I would imagine that um each case is different, Breach. You know, some families... Absolutely, yeah. Every, everybody's yeah. case is different. And I guess, you know, there's always a human story behind every baby that has died. Um, and the narrative is a very special narrative that parents create in their memories. Um, they They spend time with their baby. I suppose it's very, very different, Lauren, to what happened in maternity hospitals 50 years ago. Um, 50 years ago, there was a very different understanding of grief. And I guess we're very... Um, lucky that it was the voice of bereaved parents who, you know, championed the changes that have happened in the past number of decades that have turned the tide um, in how we care for bereaved families. Their experiences 50 years ago were very different to now. We understand from bereaved parents through the research that they have an ongoing bond with their baby that they will have for the rest of their life. And our job in bereavement care is to support them to create memories um, that will be with them for the rest of their life. And, and that's the whole, I suppose, vision we had for this project was that, yes, many families who come back to us and access bereavement support here at the hospital, repeatedly I would hear mothers say, you know, I'll never forget the room, that room upstairs. And they say, coming into the office for a session, they will say, I was looking up at the room that I was in and you know so they have very vivid memories of that room so that's why we want to create a very special environment um, that kind of enhances the already memories that they have precious memories that they have in there so what do some of the families breach tell you that they want or need so that maybe you can preempt for for another family yeah the lived experiences and feedback that we have already um, gotten from those families who've suffered bereavement in our hospital have really informed every design detail of our highly sensitive project Um, so families have said to us that the rooms at the present time are we've never actually in truth we've never had any family complain about the room but the reality is it's a hospital clinical room and what we want to do is we want to shift that to an environment that is both family friendly and child friendly so we want to soften the furnishings we want to soundproof these rooms we want to have facility for families to make tea and coffee within the room and so we want to create a sense of hospice in the same manner that if you were in an acute hospital setting and your family or member or relative has been transferred to a hospice there's as soon as you arrive to the hospice it's just a different atmosphere and ambience and it's almost like a home away from home environment and that's really what we're about in creating these bereavement suites upstairs on our 
fourth floor. We want to create hospice ethos, family-friendly environment. And we want to match. We've been working in the Coombe, I suppose, for the last decade in enhancing our bereavement care. And we have a very compassionate team um, of colleagues who really do get impacted by the death um, of a baby when they bear witness to the grief um, of parents and siblings and grandparents particularly. And we want to be able to match that with the compassionate care environment and let people see that thought and it's just the small things that really make Mm. a difference for people. And we've had a message in Breed and it's just from a listener wondering like they're saying look this is absolutely fantastic but why is it that a hospital like the Coombe would need to rely on fundraising? Now, I completely understand maybe if that's not something you want to, to comment on or you feel you can comment on. But, you know, as you mentioned, the team, the, the, the staffing that you have there, there is so much work gone into the bereavement service available in the Coombe. And I'm sure other maternity hospitals have similar but I suppose, is it because this is for extras? This is for things? This is for something particularly extra. Okay. And of course, like we're a health service, like the health service are limited in their budget. It's not that they don't support us in other initiatives. They have mm-hmm. been very um, involved in, I know when I came new into post in 2010, it was the HSE who funded my post. So there's lots of initiatives from the health services. But what we want is we want to go an extra mile. And yeah. perhaps we kind of trust that, or perhaps we kind of know that if we can raise funds that will support the initiatives already happening within the hospital. Yes. Um, to be fair, we, we were very involved here at the Coombe, both myself and, and other clinicians, in drafting standards um, for national bereavement standards across Ireland in 2016 that are currently being implemented. Part of the national standards recommendation is that we look at our end-of-life care environments, and that's happening across the 19 maternity units today. So we are beginning to look at areas of care that perhaps weren't looked at um, at the outset. You know, as I said, 50 years ago, the care was very different. There wasn't much emphasis. And now we're seeing a shift of emphasis on our bereavement care. And while we've invested in our teams, we now want to invest in the environment. And we're just really, I suppose, looking for extra spending money for extra niceties that maybe the HSE can't afford. So we want to have nice artwork in our rooms that is symbolic and meaningful and brought about by parents, um, influenced by their experiences. Breed, the very best of luck with the Thank fundraising. Thank you so much. I just want to, to wish all our cyclists well on the road tomorrow and particularly our Coombe team who are doing the cycle as well. A lot of our staff, and there's been a lot of initiatives here at the hospital, and staff really, really have gotten behind this project. Um, and I, I think it's, um, it's a, a, a project that we're very proud to be a part of and very grateful to the Galway Cycle and the Fahi family. And I'm really glad you go to talk to Jennifer Clarges. She's a wonderful mother who's been through our service. And we're delighted that Jennifer is coming on to talk to you now. Breed, thank you so Thanks, much for Lauren. your time today. Take okay, care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Breed Shine there. She's a bereavement midwife at the Coombe Hospital. I just can't imagine how difficult that job must be to do, but you can just hear, um, you know, what a wonderful team is in place. And look, maybe this isn't something that you've been through or maybe um, it's, it's not something you know anyone has been through in the Coombe. Maybe it has happened elsewhere, but... I suppose, to raise awareness about the reality that this does happen, you know, and that a lot of families um, don't have the wonderful experience that, as Grace said, she had herself going in to have Sienna in the Coombe, uh, that unfortunately some families are left bereaved. And so to talk about the services maybe and your own experience today might help others and raise awareness and hopefully raise funds um, to upgrade these suites 
on St. Jared's Ward at the Coombe. I'm on 087-711-1038 if you would like to get involved in the conversation today. Now, Breed mentioned my next guest and her name is Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hi, how are you, Lauren? Good, thank you so much. Um, you are one of the driving forces behind this fundraising, Jenny. <laughs> um, because as Breed mentioned, this is something that sadly you've been through and you've seen just what it's like on the other side in that room um, yeah, when things don't go according to plan. Yeah. Um, just a little bit about myself. Um, well, I suppose it's coming up to two years now since I lost Alfie. Um, my pregnancy was pretty normal. Um, all routine checks, scans, and that okay. And actually, on the night of labour, at uh, forty weeks and two days, I had a placental abruption, and arrived at the hospital at literally two in the morning. And then three years later, we were told Alfie was no longer with us. Oh, Jenny, I can't imagine what that must have been like for you. I know. It's it's nearly only, like, it's two years on now, but it just seems to get more raw and more real. Mm. So I think any awareness that we can put out there, I just jump at the chance to do it. What is it like, Jenny, when you're when you're told such horrific news and yet you're in this place which we always associate maternity hospitals as such a happy place because babies come into the world and mums and dads leave happy and all of a sudden you're you're not going to get that you're not going to get to leave with the baby carrier you know and and have that row of trying to get the baby into the backseat of the car like you're supposed to yeah it's completely it's like an outer body experience you just literally transported I think you're in that much shock um, yeah you're just completely oblivious to this side like the Coomer's happiness and as you said like the car seat was in the car for probably four weeks before we went in for Alfie we got married in 2010 and um, I was so wanted I'm actually talking about this two years but I've actually never shared that we'd done IVF for Alfie. So we were actually trying for nearly five years. And then we were trying naturally, sorry, for five years. And then our fourth round of IVF only commenced in the summer of 2015. And we were successful with that. And that was Alfie. So that's how much he was wanted. So to go through 40 weeks and two days of nothing wrong, and literally in labour to turn around. We arrived at the hospital, as I said, about two in the morning. And um, basically, I was hooked up to all machines. Everything was looking perfect. And all of a sudden, his heart rate just stopped. Then the emergency team came in to me. Um, they ran me and my husband to the emergency ward. Um, I was actually put asleep. And literally, I woke up within... 20 minutes to be told that we lost him. So even still coming to terms with it, it's very, very hard. It's so surreal. When something like that happens, Jenny, my understanding is that Breege and her team move in. Talk to me a bit about meeting her. Okay, so Breege would be my earth angel. Uh, Like when something like this happens, I was afraid to even meet Alfie. Like we've got me and my husband Dean, uh, we we were brought back down to the ward just 
as I said, just to an awful room, um, you know, a basic hospital room, quite small. Um, there was nowhere for Dean was actually told um, the news like there was nowhere for to bring him like or wasn't accommodating like that but anyway we went down to um, one of the rooms and when Breed came in it was just like you know she's been heaven sent to me she was the one that it took me probably a couple of hours before I actually held Alfie yeah. I was actually scared <laughs> And Breed was trying to convince me he's absolutely beautiful. You know, he's perfect little boy. But the shock of it, mm. I think I was even trying not to get, you know, trying to not to love him too much because I knew I had to give him back. It was just so surreal, like the strangest, just just a nightmare, living nightmare. Mm. And without people like Breed and the hospital staff at the kiln, I wouldn't be here today, like, sharing and telling my story. They're absolutely amazing. You are so amazing for sharing it as well, Jenny. You know, you've and I mentioned you've been blogging and you've been talking about this. And I know, you know, you have gone on and, like, you have, um, you know, you, you've, you've since had a baby. And, like, it's just... But I'm sure this doesn't leave you. Like what you went through must have stay must still stay with you, as you've said, like two years later. Um, definitely, definitely. Every day, like I nearly, the bond nearly feels stronger with Elsie. It's just, I don't know, I can't really describe it. It's just like um, an inner peace. Like I think once you know that he surrounds you, like even when myself and my husband are together, like, and we have Darcy now, as you said, um, and I'm pregnant again, actually, as oh, well. Oh, congratulations, Jenny. Yeah, so I think this is all down to him. Like, you know, these are little miracle babies. And I just feel Alfie with me all the time yeah. in everything I do. And I wouldn't be like, you know, I wouldn't have went there and been a big blogger or stuff like that. But I just think now Alfie has given me the strength to do all this. Yeah. And just so many messages from people and so many comments of how many people are being helped by listening to the story. It just makes me want to carry on. It's yeah. just so good. Well, like we said, you know, that's the whole point of today's discussion. I know it's hard. It's upsetting for people, but it's to raise awareness. And, you know, campaigns like this are so, so important. So thank you so much, Jenny, for getting behind it, for sharing your story, because that's what made Grace want to get involved and Grace is what made us want to get involved and put us in touch of breathe. So thank you so much. No problem at all, Lauren, no problem. Best of luck with everything, Jenny. Take care. Thanks a million. Bye. Um, Isn't she just incredible? That is Jenny. Um, Jenny's blog, she's J-E-N-N-E-Y, Jenny's blog, um, and just so wonderful to share her story and as I said that's you know it was Grace that came across Jenny put us in touch put us in touch with Breed and we are more than happy um, to be involved in this campaign to upgrade um, the three suites at the Coombe Hospital so they'll be kind of hospice style bereavement suites for families you can get involved in the conversation today I would love to hear from you I'm on 87 1038 Lorraine joins me next on the line Hi Lorraine Hey um, Lorraine you are one of the people who's been in touch and, and you're so kind to come on because I know it's not easy but these campaigns are important because not everyone gets the service that maybe they need when something like this happens and that's something you've been through yeah that's true like when it happened to us like we only found out a half an hour before we get birth 
the baby was at the passing away and when the baby passed away we were asked to go into a ward where people were after having their babies and it was something that I didn't want to do and my family objected to it and went to the nurses to say that they didn't want me put in a ward so we got put into a room for a couple of hours on our own with the baby and then I was discharged from the hospital when nothing or didn't get to spend time with the baby at the time. How important was it for you, Lorraine, to have that time to yourself um, with your little girl? Well, to think back now, like, if, uh, like to think back, there should have been something there to let us go in and, like, enjoy having her for our last moment instead of only getting to hold her for an hour and she was took away, like, before our funeral, like. What kind of effect did that have on you, Lorraine? I had an awful effect on me, like, I went through so much after it. I've, I went on to have more kids, but it doesn't take the pain or it doesn't take anything away from you from when it happens. It brings it all back if you hear it. You hear that aunt happening to anyone else because I never heard of that happening to anyone else when it happened to me. Yeah, that's the thing we were saying, you know, we just associate maternity hospitals as very happy places. And while we're not trying to frighten people today or upset anyone, it just is the reality that it can happen and it can be so, so sudden. Like, you know, half an hour before you deliver your baby or given this news. Um, and I was 28 uh, weeks on five days. So, like, I was just at the stage of giving birth to... Like, I didn't know that was happening. Yeah. Like, I went on to have a baby at 28 weeks and... He survived that 28 weeks and he was born under three pounds. So, like, it shows that the babies can survive if there was help here for them. But, like, to know that your baby passed away a few minutes before and there was nothing. Like, you're just left saying goodbye and that's kind of it. There's nothing for you. Yeah. Um, Breed was saying that at the Coombe, you know, they've done research and they've asked families, you know, what do you need or what would you want if you... You know, we're, we're involved um, in this kind of service, Lorraine. Like, what you, you mentioned, if you'd had more time with your little girl, like, what other things do you think families would need at a time like this? To spend that as a family with the baby, to say your goodbye and to have your time with the family. Like, for your own private spaces, you'd need it for anything like that instead of people walking into a ward where you're all and crying and seeing balloons for everyone when you're just not in a headspace to even look at that when you look at things like that you just want to like it makes you more depressed in like mm. going through that yeah Lorraine I'm so sorry it happened to you um, and thank you very much for coming on today no you're welcome thanks so much take care okay bye um, you hear so often you know of, of story well you don't hear so often but I suppose um Whenever we have these kind of discussions on the show, as I said to Grace earlier on and to Breed, uh, the bereavement midwife, I'm always surprised by how many stories we hear. Like, it does happen. And like I said, we're not trying to upset anyone today or frighten anyone, but it is the reality. And to raise awareness and hopefully much-needed funds um, for St. Jared's Ward for the three bereavement suites at the Coombe would just be brilliant today. But look, there is experiences that we're hearing about from other hospitals across the country as well. You can get involved in the conversation. I'm on 087-711-1038. My next caller is called Brian. Hi, Brian. Hey, Lauren. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. And thank you for coming on today because yeah, no problem. You've, you've been in one of these rooms, Brian, where... I've um, uh, been in two of them, unfortunately. I'm so sorry to hear that. Tell me a bit about your experience. 
Uh, well, the first time we were in, we had a, a scan, obviously, in the Hollow Street when we were told, obviously, a baby had died. Um, so we had to, we got brought in to, sort of two or three days later, after have to take one of the abortion pills, essentially, to try and help your baby uh, get induced. Okay, so bring on labour. Exactly, bring on labour. And so we're, we're given one of the rooms in Hollow Street, I think it's on probably the third floor. And it's one of the private rooms, but it's got no one suite or, you know, that's the only time you do need to go to the toilet or anything. Your wife would have to go past all the, obviously, the happy mothers and everything like that. And there was a possibility, obviously, of her giving birth over uh, the toilet as well, which wouldn't have been uh, ideal. No. And Brian... Um, <coughs> Well, I have yeah, no, no, well, I have no doubt that, you know, the people, the staff that you're dealing with are, are doing their very best for oh, you. No, there's, there's no, no question the staff. The staff are amazing. But I suppose the difference between the first time and the second time we were in there was uh, the first time was on a weekend and the staff, there isn't as many or there isn't as large support, obviously, with the staff on the weekends. It would be on a, a midweek. Mm. It's, the staff, uh, you couldn't say enough about them. They were, they were great to both of our... Uh, times we were in the Hollow Street and I think me, myself and my wife would never have any bad words to say about them. They were amazing actually dealing with mm-hmm. what we had to go through and what everyone obviously goes through a lot. Yeah. But this is something that happens more regularly than people might realise, Brian, and so this kind <sighs> yeah, of room... I, think people, I think it's because it's more of a taboo subject and people don't talk about it too much. That yeah. Like the amount of couples that you chat to after the fact that it's up to you that you realise the amount of people that actually go through a similar process and similar situations and that and the other thing is I suppose when it does happen to you that you get the sympathy probably straight after but but after that it's not that it's forgotten but it's not talked about by even your own family and that they'd have kind of passed under a bridge almost Yeah I think it's something that people just don't know what to say and while I'm so aware that there's there's nothing that could have made either of those experiences easier for you and your wife. But no. there are things that, you know, as you said, like you, you've no bathroom. Um, so the, the, the suites in, in the Coombe Hospital, like if they're improved, you know, hopefully there's improvements made in other maternity units yeah. just to make it a little bit easier for families. Yeah, yeah. Hollow Street's obviously an old building and it's, there's a few uh, better parts of it and newer parts of it that have got better facilities. Obviously the Maternity ward is one of the older parts of the building, and it's hard enough to to put the facilities in in the actual current building that it has. But obviously, when you're walking past joyous people all the time, it's it's quite difficult to not see a little bit of uh, grief or agitation towards it and everything when you're walking up to what you know is the the what's going to happen. Yeah, of course, Brian. Um, we don't often hear from men. On, on this kind of subject because I suppose the focus is so often on the mum. You know, what is it like watching your partner go through this and you're going through this as a couple and as you said, people don't really talk about it afterwards? Mm-hmm. I suppose it's very difficult for the man. You just feel they're fairly helpless in there. You can't really do it. All you there is feels a, a support for your wife to try and uh, be strong and act strong, look strong. Mm-hmm. And... I can't hear the one not actually going through the the physical procedure or the physical issue of it, but you're the one that has to uh, be strong for your wife and yeah. 
it can be difficult and it can be tough to try and keep positive all the time and try and put a brave face on it. Well, Brian, you're really brave for coming on today. So thank you so much. And the very best of luck to you and your wife in the future. No problem. Thanks, Pat. Take care. Thanks so much. Okay. Um, so good to speak to a man, I think, to speak to a dad who's been through this because it's they're, they're family suites that, that they're trying to improve at the Coombe. Because, of course, you know, if a woman is going through this, it's, it's so horrific. It is so distressing. But it is something, as we heard from Breed earlier on, that can affect the entire family and not just partners, but siblings as well. So that's why um, the funds are so important for these very much needed um, hospice-style bereavement suites at the Coombe. But look, we've heard Brian's experience of Hollow Street where he says, you know, the staff could not say enough about them, but just maybe the facilities. And similar to Lorraine, I think from her message, her experience was at another maternity hospital as well. Thank you so much to everyone who's come on today. Really, really incredible um, speaking to you. I'm on 087-711-1038 if you would like to get involved in the conversation. So many messages coming in, uh, particularly about the staff, uh, the team in place in the Coombe Hospital. Bridget says, our little girl was born at 27 weeks. After 11 weeks, she finally came home. The team in the Coombe are incredible. Even the medical staff are this week doing a charity cycle to help raise funds. They are indeed. Breed mentioned them earlier on. And look, um, just to mention, you know, Brian spoke um, so highly of the staff at Hollow Street. You know, we've had messages in about people's experiences at other maternity hospitals, but the fundraiser I suppose we're discussing today is for the upgrading of um, three suites at the Coombe that will be used specifically for bereaved families. But, you know, it's something that if we just want to raise awareness about in general today. It's something that, ha- that affects so many families. So thank you again so much to Brian, to Lorraine, to Jenny. The callers that have come on have just been incredible sharing their experiences. Tina is next on the line. Hi, Tina. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Tina. Um, you were one of the first messages to come in, Tina, about your experience. And you, uh, like so many of the, the messages coming in, you were at the coup. I was. I was, I have to say. And it was 15 years ago. So, you know, it's... it's a fair while ago, but they treated me with kid gloves. They were amazing. Uh, we knew prior to our son being born that there were major problems. And um, I was in the delivery season, even though he was born at 22 minutes past 11 at night, I didn't leave the delivery season for half seven the next morning. Now, perhaps it was a quiet night and they could afford to leave me there. I'm sure that's not always the case. Um, because we had a three-year-old daughter who was really looking forward to having a little brother and they allowed us to bring her up at that hour of the night to meet her little brother while he was still alive and they handled him so gently they took his footprints and his handprints and they even changed his nappy he, even though there was no need to if you know what I mean because you know he was dying and we'd already made the decision not to intubate because he was never going to change the outcome mm-hmm. um, they were fantastic they put us on the ward above the, the baby ward, if you want to call it for a better word. Um, uh, we were on the surgical ward in a private room and everything was brought into me, um, you know, all my meals. And I actually went out at one stage to get a pen and the sister on the ward said to me, why didn't you ring your bell? Who'd have brought the pen into you? You know what I mean? It was just, and that's just one little trivial thing that sticks out in my mind that they couldn't do enough for me. 
And when it came to time to go home, the chaplain came in and she said, now you wrap your baby up in, in his blankets there and you walk out the front door like every other couple, hold your baby in your arms and if anybody stops you to admire him, just say thank you. And, you know, there was we, my husband was brought round the back of the hospital to collect the coffin away from prying eyes. It was, I just, I just couldn't fault them. I really couldn't. That, just all those little things must mean the world to you at the time, Tina. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I carried him home in my arms and I remember actually going down the N7 and thinking, as we were stopped at the old Newlands Cross and there was a truck driver to my left and I said, Jesus, he's probably looking at me going, stupid woman carrying that baby in the front seat in her arms. <laughs> you know, silly little things come into your head. Yeah. But um, it meant an awful lot, an awful lot for us. For our 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 daughter, I tell a lie. She wasn't three and a half. She she wouldn't be a three and a half. Sorry, she was ten. She was ten. She was ten, and a real mother hen, and really wanted to meet her little brother. So when when we said, "Is there any chance that she could come up and see him? Why did you like?" Because we didn't know whether he would be still alive the next morning or not. And um, by the time she got up the next morning, he had passed away. And they said, absolutely no problem. And my, my brother, my sister and our 10-year-old daughter was allowed in at that hour of the night to, to visit him and to visit us. And um, as I said, the next morning she rang me and he had passed away at that stage. And um, she said to us, well, actually, he was, he, he was on his last and I, she had said to me, she was so innocent. I remember ringing and she going, how's Joshua? And I said, well, he's not good, baby. And she said, oh, my God, is he puking? Oh. And she you know, straight away, Daddy, we have to get up to the hospital. Josh was not well. And by the time she came up, he had passed away. Like, But it just meant an awful lot to her yeah. as well. And she still remembers it. And, um, you know, it meant a lot to her to meet her baby brother while he was still alive. And yeah. um, I, I couldn't fault the coom. It might have been different had they had a busier night. They might have been able to afford the room to me until half seven the next morning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think these suites will be just absolutely fantastic for the hospital. Because you got to do, you know, to make those memories, do those things like change his nappy, Tina. You know, as Breed said, it's it's all about making memories um, yes. with oh, your completely. baby. Like in the aftermath, yeah. as, the, as the days and weeks and months pass, and Brian, an earlier caller, spoke about that as time goes on. And I don't think other people mean to do it, but people forget about your yeah. baby but you don't oh, well no we don't we have a yeah. barbecue from every year on his birthday yeah. and it's the highlight of everybody's calendar it just means it keeps me occupied for the week running up to his anniversary and all that I yeah. do the garden I do preparations for the food and I actually get texts from friends of mine every year going when's Josh's barbecue because we were booking our holidays now and we don't want to miss it that's so lovely so we do but, but I suppose perhaps if, it had, if he'd been all whisked away and the whole lot we wouldn't I feel the need to do that if you know what I mean yeah. um, so no I have to say we have loads of photographs of him and we were we were really just left I don't mean to get on with it but to grieve in private yeah. you know what I mean by the comb and every now and again a nurse would stick her head in the door and go are you okay do you need anything and you know it was you know I, I, I couldn't say a bad word about them and for you then moving on like you, you have your barbecue every year um, yeah. You know, what kind of services were there for you and for your family, Tina, as you tried to 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 move on in, in the months after you lost Josh? Um, do you know, actually, none. I was never offered counselling. Nobody ever came and said, how are you doing and do you need counselling? 
I suppose I did just get on with it and I had my 10 year old but I also had a 7 year old seriously handicapped daughter at home as well so we had to just get on with it because she had so many profound needs that we didn't have time to kind of sit back and do nothing we just got on with it you know but um, I said you know that time that we got to spend with them I don't know how women 50 years ago when they barely even got to see their babies never mind have pictures of them yeah. I don't know how they would have gotten over something like that because the time that we did get to spend with them is you know I'll never ever forget it and I never regret it so precious Tina God yeah. you're, you're just you're something else you've been through a lot so thank you very very much for coming not on not at all if it helps anybody else that's what it's about thank you good to speak all to you right. today Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, that's Tina's experience um, of losing her son, Joshua, 15 years ago. Um, she just said the coom were incredible and we've heard nothing but wonderful stories about their staff today. But again, we've heard very positive stories. We had Brian on earlier on who spoke so highly of the staff at Hollis Street. This is a reality and it's something that affects so many families, as Brian said. You know, the, the room that he and his wife were in, unfortunately, a lot of people see that room um, and it's not easy but anything that could be done to improve services for people, I'm sure would be very welcome. Uh, we spoke earlier on to Breed Shine as well. She's the bereavement, a bereavement midwife based in the Coombe and herself and her team are just incredible. Um, Jenny spoke so highly over her. This listener says, I'm just listening to your discussion today and I would like to praise Breed Shine. She is a true angel. I dealt with Breed in 2012, having lost twins and will never forget all she did for me and my family. A number we would like to pass on to you is a wonderful charity. We've had them on Spin Talk before and that is Felicon. And um, they are a charity offering advice and support to bereaved families for babies that are stillborn. Their number is 085-249-6464. That's 085-249-6464. An incredible team at Felicon as well. And just a massive thank you again to Breed Shine for coming on. And a huge thank you to our good friend, Grace Mongi for bringing this to our attention today. So glad we could talk about it and raise awareness. If you would like to get involved in the coffee morning that's happening in Spree um, on the Long Mile Road, um, it's happening on the 11th of April. You can follow Faces by Grace on Instagram. She has the details up there. It is six euro um, to head along and anything you can donate on the day it will all go to Friends of the Coup thank you so much for getting involved in the conversation we're going to have to leave it there we will of course podcast later um, if you would like to have a listen back or maybe send it on to someone you think should have a listen to it thanks so much be back in just a few this is the Spin Talk Podcast catch Spin Talk with Lauren live on Spin 1038 weekdays from 1 